is Loose Leaf, the podcast of an author with multiple personalities. My name is Charity Bradford, lover of all things science fantasy. I'm also River Ford, writer of contemporary romance. I'm so excited to bring today's podcast to you. We have guest author Johan Twist calling in, and we will get to that interview here in just a moment. Johan's audio is coming through great. Mine, it definitely sounds like I'm on the phone. So in the future, I'll do a little more research and see if I can get a better sound quality. I know I had a great time talking with Johan Twist about his books and some of the things that he's passionate about. So without further ado, let's get to the interview. Thank you, Johan, for being with us. Would you like to take a few minutes and introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, I'd be happy to. My name is Johan Twist. Um, a lot of people get it wrong when they see my name written out because it's J-O-H-A-N. I've been called lots of things, Joanne, Johan. Um, so it's Johan. Uh, I started writing about, I guess it's been really like seriously writing about six years ago. Um, I have seven books published um, and I have a new story I'm working on that'll come out later this year as well. I mostly write science fiction, fantasy, uh, stuff that's appropriate for middle grade and up. I also do write some um, light historical, I guess, fantasy, you could say, just a touch of fantasy, as well as uh, I have a crime series that I started that's about human trafficking. That's kind of a passion project of mine. I've worked with some nonprofits that combat against it in the past. And so I have a series about... uh, human trafficking that revolves about different types of trafficking that happen around the world and kind of follow different characters with it. So what's the name of that series? Uh, The first book is out. It's called 30 Red Dresses. Okay. And I have five more plans for it. They're they're short novellas, kind of more bite-sized because it's a heavy topic. Um, But I try to write and show the, you get, you know what's going on, but I don't try to drag people through the mud and I kind of show here are the positive things. Here's what success stories there are. Here are the ways that people are combating against it. Wow, I think that's that's great that you can do that through your literature as well. So that's you said um, thirty red dresses. Correct. Yeah, thirty red dresses. That's yeah. wonderful. <laughs> and um, some of your other books. I know here in a little bit we're going to talk about the I Am Sleepless series since book number four just came out, but. Why don't you spend a little bit of time and tell us about some of your others? Do you have a favorite book out of the ones you've written? Yeah, probably my favorite. I love the I Am Sleepless series because um, it's just fun action, sci-fi, kind of yeah. what I enjoy myself. But right. my favorite is probably Four Years Trapped in My Mind Palace. It's been my best-selling book, um, and it's kind of a hard one to, to describe. I, I say it's like Mitch Album. Uh, Tuesdays with Maury, kind of that feel meets Back to the Future. So it's uh, it's it's about a 14-year-old boy. He's trapped in a coma-like state. He's awake and aware in his head. Doctors don't realize that he has a locked-in syndrome. And he gets a roommate in his care facility. And it's this older Jewish man uh, with dementia. When the kid talks in his own head to stay sane, the old guy actually hears him and replies, but no one believes the old man can hear the kid because they think he's nuts. And when the old man will have these dementia dreams and episodes, he thinks he's living in the past. It actually pulls the kid into those moments in time. 
So he experiences 1920s New York City, uh, Chicago nightclub in the 30s, World War II, and you get this very interesting relationship, how two kind of almost polar opposite people become best friends and help one another. See, that's fascinating. Where did you come up with that idea? So that one came, um, there was a gentleman at our church congregation I'd kind of become friends with who he developed dementia and he kind of went downhill fast. And as I would talk to him in his later years, he would think I was a friend of his from like the 50s and think he was in the 50s. At the same time, I saw a news story. I think it was one of those like Dateline or 2020s. And it was about a man who from the time he was uh, a child, he had this same locked in syndrome. And wow. doctors weren't, didn't know he was aware in there. So for 14 years, he was trapped in his head. And he'd wow. make up his own world to stay sane. And he slowly came out of it. So those two ideas kind of collided to create that story. See, I love how real life and the things that we see often influence our imagination enough that we come up with these stories. So, wow, thanks for uh, sharing that, that with us. Okay, before we get to... I am sleepless. I did want to give you a chance to share anything about yourself personally that you may want readers to know. I mean, things like, you know, <laughs> what influenced your writing? Do you have a favorite author? Um, what do you do outside of writing? Anything you feel comfortable sharing, go for it. Sure. I mean, so we'll go with favorite author. Right now, probably my favorite author is Jeff Wheeler. Um, okay. He wrote the Muirwood series. Um, okay. The Muirgate, they're kind of a epic fantasy uh fun clean very well written engaging stories he has a lot of books <laughs> um so <laughs> that's been my my favorite lately kind of inspiring authors for me like things authors i've enjoyed reading and kind of inspire me would be uh brandon sanderson uh, i love his mistborn series and his books and uh also i, I enjoy nonfiction as well uh, and they kind of play into my writing too even uh Lately, one of my favorites is Just Mercy um, by Brian Stevenson that came out. And there was a movie that came out about it. I also enjoy uh, Dean Hughes. He wrote uh, Children of the Promise series, kind of set during oh. World War II. And I've always loved World War II themes. And so Mind Palace kind of has stuff that happens in World War II. I have another short novella that takes place during World War II as well. I, I bet uh, the fact that you also enjoy nonfiction probably has really helped your writing as a fiction writer especially with those tough topics like 30 Dresses and some of these other books. Exactly. Yeah, it has. And I've done a lot of research through those to kind of help get me grounded and make sure I'm explaining things and setting that uh, stories up correctly. Wow, that's wonderful. Um, See, that's something that I think all of us fiction writers could could uh, learn from you and, and get out there and enjoy a little bit more nonfiction and, you know, other than just for research purposes, because I think we all <laughs> dig in for research. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of great nonfiction out there. And some of them, the way that they're written, too, it almost feels like fiction. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's storytelling in a way, and I love those books. Oh, well, wonderful. Okay, I know that you're pretty busy, so let's go ahead and, um, and let's talk about the I Am Sleepless series. I know okay. the first time I read it, I guess... It was probably just shortly after the first book, um, I Am Sleepless, then 299 came out. And I remember just being super impressed with it. Like it had kind of this feel of Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card, but it was also completely different. Um, mm -hmm. Like I was, I've been trying to figure out like 
what the mashup was because it kind of has this X-Men feel with your crimes, but it's not, you know, and I really appreciated how well you put us into your world and described it without like this big info dump. Um, so why don't you take a minute and tell us, you know, where did this idea come from? And then maybe spend a few minutes explaining what a prime is and how they fit into your story. Yeah, sure. Um, so this story came about, I had the idea, what could I get done if I didn't have to sleep? Um, <laughs> and that's what the main character, he has some multiple gifts and powers, but he, he can't sleep. He doesn't need it, doesn't require it. And it also kind of mashed with Avatar The Last Airbender because yeah. my kids yeah. were watching it and I was watching it for the, the first time. And it kind of has... Uh, that I say was a big influence on this storytelling, kind of the dynamics of the friends. They kind of have a quest, a goal. Right. Um, and you even have some weird hybrid animals in there, kind of like an avatar. And but it's so funny because I'm binge watching Avatar The Last Airbender right now. And when I saw uh -huh. their animals, I thought of your book. So we'll have to talk about that in a minute. But go ahead. Yep. Yep. So a lot of the fun, crazy animals. And my wife, um, she does the sketches. We do have a bunch of interior sketches with hybrid animals like a spider goose or a bat monkey or a wolf stag. Um, my kids help come up with them and they're a lot of fun. So <laughs> uh, they, they're kind of in and out in, in the book. Um, so that was kind of the basis of it. And it, it definitely has kind of an Ender's Game vibe to it, as well as, in, in my mind, uh, a Ready Player One uh, with the yeah. simulations. And yeah. so that's book. What the story is about is they're uh, at war um, with this alien race that's attacking them. And to help defeat them, they have come up with this injection that they give to children. And from that, some of them develop powers and abilities. And then they're trained to go fight in this war. But every ability has a defect of some kind. And so that's what our main characters, they are training for this war, and they train in these simulations. The first book takes place at their training facility, and there are 300 or 299 simulations. No one's ever made it close to that far, except for Aiden, our main character who can't sleep. So while everyone else is asleep, he's always practicing in the sims. And when he reaches the end, he discovers something that kind of changes their world and changes uh, could change the way that the war turns out so i have to ask real quick um how do you say like their little group is it coterie how do you that's the one i'm yeah. not sure <laughs> coterie correct yep it's their coterie um yeah. and that's when i found up like when i was looking up what's another word for group or team and i found one that was coterie i'm like i like that and yeah there's a few others that i have in there like a choir but not like a singing choir it's spelled with a q u i r e yeah. um, that's like a type of um, like computer that they have, so a processor. So I actually love your names and, and everything in here. Like I said, your world is very rich, and the fact that like the first chapter, you have to kind of think about it, but it's very easy to get into your world and just accept it. So I think that's a great talent that you have for creating this world and all these different things because there are a lot of characters you know by the time we get to book four there are a lot of people <laughs> in this in there this are 
There are, yes. <laughs> and, and they're great. Um, That's probably the hardest part with this series. It was the first time I've written a series was keeping track of everything and continuity. <laughs> oh, man. That made it tough to write. That was one of my questions. Was, what was the hardest part? And, and that was one of them right there was keeping track of the characters. Yeah, continuity. Like I, So I have some of my test readers and copy editors. They remember the world better than I do because I'm <laughs> off already thinking about new stories. And I'm like, oh, wait, what happened? And I have to go look it up. Or I'll ask my kids. I'll be like, uh, one of my sons, I'll be like, hey, Caleb, can you tell me uh, what happened here? Who was this? He'd be like, oh, it's this, this. Oh, thanks. <laughs> oh, see, that's wonderful. That's wonderful that you have that support. So we didn't really talk about the prime powers. Um, but I was going to ask you, if you could have one of those powers, which one would it be and why? Or would you want a combination? I know having a combination of primes is rare. Um, mm-hmm. You want to touch on that a little bit? Sure. So the prime ability is there are a number of different ones that kids could develop. And if they are, they're conscripted and taken from their families to be trained. Um, one of them is like a lug. A lug is like super strength. But with that comes the defect that they're mute. They can't talk. Another one are mechs. Mechs are just incredible engineers and can build things. But they uh, have dwarfism. And so they're very small. Um, As well, they also, one of their defects is they um, sabotage anything that they build unwittingly. I thought that was great. Yeah, so they they may not want to sabotage, but they're very protective of their technology and their inventions. Um, And some of the others are vibrancy. So they are blind, but they can see using airwaves, um, vibrations in the ground and around them. There's a host of others, reader abilities, which I can't say what it is if you haven't read book one. It comes in later. Uh, (laughs) There's some that are super fast, like the Flash you could say, but yeah. they uh, have to eat constantly or, or they'll die. And then there's one, my my favorite, although if I had a prime power to pick, I would pick a mech so I okay. could just build anything because I love to build stuff. But my <laughs> other favorite is what's called agulators. And agulators can change their weight. So they can change it so they're light as a feather and they could like jump and then they fly through the air for long distances or they can be super, super heavy, like a tank coming down on somebody. And so it kind of makes these interesting dynamics. They run and jump and fly through the air, but then come down hard. Yeah. And I think, oh, what's the other one? Is there another one I'm missing? I, I did it. Oh, I did it. Yes. I did it. So there, it's like having a photographic memory. Uh, they remember everything they see, read, hear, but their defect is they don't stop growing. So they continue to grow, and they often die um, young of gigantism. Yeah, and I know Estrago is uh, that kind of prime, and he's actually one of my favorite characters. He's kind of one of the mentors of Aiden, and Mm -hmm. it's been interesting to kind of see where he's at and where he's coming from and kind of his history as we are starting to learn it in book three and so forth. He has a complicated past. <laughs> that makes the best characters is those that have a complicated past. Okay, so my other question at the beginning of each of your chapters, you have like a little excerpt from, I guess there's actually two books, um, and that kind of sets up the scene a little bit, gives a little bit of history from, from two different characters. 
Did you write all of those before, or did you come up with something before just that chapter? Not yeah, I did that. that right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I wrote. I didn't write them all beforehand, although I kind of knew everything I wanted to say. Um, and so I wrote them at the beat, just as I came to each new chapter. I said, "Okay, what's going to work and going to fit with what's going on with this chapter um, as much as possible." It was kind of my way of helping get some more world building and history in there in short snippets without it kind of being an info yeah. dump and slowing the story down. Yes, because there are only like two or three sentences and. Um, right. have, have you ever thought about when you're all done pulling those together and releasing like a companion guide of the journals of Aiden or the TM Amori? No, I haven't. And that's very interesting. That, I, I don't know. <laughs> I've never thought about that. We are going to do a kind of companion fun extra book, kind of like uh, it's going to be with just the animals with oh, more fun. sketches and kind of some statistics and facts about the animals, kind of like, uh, oh, what is that, Harry Potter? My brain's just dead. The magical beast? <laughs> yes, kind of like that, magical That's, beast, where to find them. That will be so fun. I, I can't wait. That'll be great. Well, hey, there's another idea for you, though. Combine all that history yep. and <laughs> just a short little, the history of the Prime Wars or the Splicer Wars. I can't remember which one you, <laughs> which one you call it. That's true. It. it would probably be like a no, novelette size between all the books and the chapters, maybe. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Favorite character from the series and why? Um, that's that's always tough. a tough one. I mean, <laughs> you as an author, you know this too. That like, yeah. Maybe the same. Your characters are all a part of you. Like, there's a little bit of me in every single one of them. Yes. Um, I would say probably my favorite character is palomas she is a lug and she's part of the coterie or the team and they grow up as like a family unit um, all the same age these kids together and i would say she's kind of like the protector um, and she's more of a listener i guess that's what i've most of my life i've been like the listener friends come to me they have problems and i'll listen talk with them so i kind of relate to that but she's also very like athletic ability strong and she's a protector and so I can kind of relate to that, too, with my family, my friends. But she has a sense of humor, too. She she is not afraid to tease and joke around with her siblings, which my siblings and I, man, when we get together, we <laughs> we can <laughs> ride one another and have fun. Oh, see, that's wonderful. I was going to say um, one of my favorites as we go along in the story, and she doesn't come in till she's not in the first book, but uh, Camilla. And I'm mm -hmm. very excited to kind of see where her journey is taking her and, and, and what part she'll play in this, this final book. Uh, so no spoilers, don't tell me, but... No, well, I'm smiling because it's good. It's really okay. good. She has a great arc. Um, okay. And when I imagined her for book two, like I knew exactly, I knew how this series was going to end. And I'm like, oh, now she's going to tie into the ending and it's going to make it so much better. So. Oh, good. Okay. Now I'm really excited. I'm about six chapters in. So I, I, I'll be honest. I actually had to stop. I think it's chapter six. We're uh, like, what can I say without spoilers? But we're at a point where my anxiety level went up and I was like, okay, I have to sit down and pause. <laughs> I'm not ready because I know something bad's about to happen. And, uh, you know, the best books, you've got to get through all the bad stuff, but I get so emotionally tied that I'm like, okay, need to pause <laughs> before we uh, think it's uh, Betrayal is the name of the chapter, I think, which if, if that gives you any idea where I'm at, but mm -hmm. um, 
But I love that. I love that your stories kind of pull me in emotionally, and uh, and that's a well, that's, that's a good awesome. Thing. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. You're welcome. Last question: Do you think being a writer is a gir- uh, curse or a gift? Um, I'm going to. <laughs> I'm going to definitely go with a gift. I mean, <laughs> I think I, I never planned out to be a writer. Like that was never really a, a dream of mine. I always enjoyed stories and right. that, but I was too busy. I, I played a lot of instruments and and played sports all through junior high, high school, um, and I started writing because of human trafficking, and I wanted to take all the stories together uh, that people I'd interviewed, survivors, people I'd talked with and met, and kind of combine them into something that was palpable because other people I know, they say, oh, I don't even want to read that book or touch it. It's just too hard to finish, which it is. Some of them are very difficult. And they, right. I came away like, this is true, but I feel sick inside. Yeah. And so I wanted to write something that was a little more palpable, that showed the successes and the good things that when people work towards combating it. So that was the first story I wrote. And it was awful but it had some great stuff and i got the writing bug like it, it turned into something serious turning a little bit into psych meets iron man like superhero i'm like oh, this this isn't cool. quite the tone i wanted but it was fun <laughs> see and i think that is such a powerful thing that you have found this cause that you're passionate about and like i said earlier that you can use your fiction to make people more aware of it and i, I can understand how some people may back away from that because it probably does have, you know, those heavy emotions and, and topics. But, I mean, that's a fact of life. And, and if we don't talk about it, nothing's going right. to change. So right. kudos to you for, for tackling and that. And I think that's the hard thing, too. Sometimes they, uh, they're very, some books are very explicit. They give every single detail. And I tried right. to write, like, people know what's going on. I don't have to give every single detail and kind of open right. up the door so more people are willing to read it. I think that's like, you bring back to the cursor blessing. I think that's been the blessing. Like I found something that I'm passionate about, like that cause as well as writing. And I had the writing bug and started writing. I am sleepless and have learned so much. And I think that's the, the blessing to be able to share your ideas and thoughts, even through fiction. Uh, like I am sleepless can share a lot of Good things that uh, I've had parents read like, my kid really enjoyed this, but I like some of the messages you have in there. The curse side, maybe it's the same for you. Since I started writing and the more I've I've written, it's harder for me to read some things or to watch movies. Yes. Because my kids, like, I'll be like, oh, if I were writing, this is what would happen. My kid's like, dad, and then it happens. <laughs> or I'm like, oh, they should have done this because I'm thinking there's like an editor mind going on. Um, right. <laughs> And then, of course, there's always the things that you get to the end and you're like, no, that was not satisfying. I would do it this way. <laughs> and so I feel right. like I'm always overly critical of everything. <laughs> exactly. I, I don't, I still enjoy books and I still enjoy movies, but not quite the same way because, you know, your mind, your author mind is thinking about the story the whole time. Yes, yes. Well, good news is my author mind shuts off when I'm reading you. So you're doing a great job. <laughs> okay, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> is there like any you know, kind of going back to the, the trafficking topic and and those first um, books that you wrote, is there like a website that you would recommend people go to that would be a good source of information and ways that they can get involved if they're interested in that? Yeah, there, 
there are about five groups that I really support and I like the things that they do. I'll just name a couple of them. Uh, okay. The first one is International Justice Mission. Um, so I, I believe it's IGM.org. Um, but if you just search International Justice Mission, that'll come up. They have a lot of different groups around the country, volunteer groups you can join. But their main focus is go after people legally, and they fight and fight for justice. Um, Wonderful. In a lot of countries, uh, there, there are laws in almost every country against slavery and human trafficking. But in many of them, because of corruption, that it's hard to get prosecutions, like near difficult. And they just will fight for years until they get prosecutions. And they also do a lot of aftercare. And their goal is if there's no prosecutions, people think they can keep doing whatever they want. Right. So they help get people free. They help get uh, victims aftercare that's needed. And that's, that's crucial. But they work for prosecution. Uh, the other one is Operation Underground Railroad. And they actually, their goal is they go in and they work with police and law enforcement to go in and raid, especially brothels. Their, their focus is sex trafficking. And they do a lot of great work. They have freed thousands of children, especially in women, um, wow. who have been trafficked into, into brothels. And that, that's something, too, that usually a lot of people talk about sex trafficking, which is awful. And they think that's the only type of human trafficking, but there are so many other forms that happen around the world with bonded labor where people get stuck and the people who own the farms or the the looms or the mills, they the families are just stuck there. They can't wow. leave until they pay off their debt, but they have to live on site and it always costs more for them to live than what they make. And so there have been generations of families that are stuck in that or people who are kidnapped and they work on fishing boats and they are stuck at sea for years until they get free. Wow. Um, they never touch land uh, or child soldiers. There's, there's so many different avenues and things that uh, it's just the harsh reality is it's cheaper right. for groups to get slavery than to pay for somebody and to kidnap people. It's cheaper. And so that's the economics of it. So I'll mention one other group. Um, it's called Free the Slaves. And because I, I just thought of them because of economics, they're run by Professor Kevin Bales. Um, and he writes a great book called Ending Slavery. And it goes into the economics of slavery and how we can eradicate it. And it's very fascinating, very uh, great stories, but kind of a logical approach to how we can really combat it. I think that's wonderful. And hopefully some of our listeners will reach out and find these because I think it's so easy for us to just not pay attention and kind of forget that our world is like that and that it is probably way more common than we imagine everywhere. Yeah. And if there were one thing I tell people, they ask, well, what can I do? Um, you can definitely, you can donate to these groups. There are some volunteer um, groups in major cities around the country for these nonprofits. But probably the easiest thing I think anyone could do is if you shop on Amazon, which is most people, um, if you shop through smile.amazon.com, that's Amazon's website, but it's their nonprofit donation version of Amazon. So if you shop through there, a percentage of all of your purchases can go to the nonprofit of your choice. And all of those that I listed are on there. So you can oh. pick one and just always shop through there instead of going to regular Amazon.com. The prices are the same. Everything's the same. But Amazon will donate a percentage of everything that you buy to that nonprofit. Huh, that's wonderful. I've never even heard of that. Yeah, it's a it's a neat site. I I came across it and I try to tell people to use that all the time. 
Okay, so smile.amazon.com and then just business as usual. Yep. Yeah. I, I wish Amazon just did it as Amazon.com. I don't know why they try to make it. Everyone's <laughs> got to go to Smile. Just right. make it part of their website and always donate. That would be cool. But uh, they don't do that. It goes back yet. to economics. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, uh, that's wonderful that, that they are doing that. And hopefully maybe we can share that information and, and more people will, will know of that option. Um, so thank you for sharing that with us. Okay, so last, let me, I'm just going to read the, the names of the series. So book one was Sim 299. And then we've got the Huntress, which she is a great character too. Has so many feels for her, and I'm 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 waiting to see her final <laughs> journey as well. Uh, Another good arc for her. Yep. You know, and all of these characters—they're bad guys, but they're not complete. You know, they're very well rounded. You can understand their side and see, and you know, from their history and feel for them, and and want them to find redemption in in various ways. So. Um, once again, great job. Uh, book three is Traders, and then book four just came out this month, Dark Throne. And I'm assuming they're all on Amazon. Anywhere else that they can be found? Yep, they're uh, Amazon is the main place. Um, some I, I don't know what libraries. Some libraries have them, um, <laughs> but Amazon's the best place to get them. Uh, they're available in ebook paperback and hardback and eventually there will be audiobook but it'll probably be another year or so for that okay i know you record your own audiobooks correct i have yep uh except two uh two of the others i have not and i've done some other audiobooks for others uh mostly because the main characters were female and i just wasn't going to do a first person female um, (laughs) narrated book thank you again johan for being here with us today and I wish you the best of luck with this new release and any future ones. And hopefully we'll get some people to come, come check you out. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And uh, we will talk to you later. Good luck with your writing as well. Look forward to reading your next book that you're working on. <laughs> Thank you. And I, I hope you have a great day. You too. Take care. Bye. Isn't he great? I'm so glad that Johan was able to spend time with us today and Let us get to know him a little bit better as well as the things he's passionate about. I will make sure to get the organization's website links in the production notes as well as a link to his Amazon page. Go check out his other novels as well as the I Am Sleepless series. Thanks for being with us and until next time, remember to be kind to each other because we have more in common than we ever choose to see. 